test, 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 test. I might bring the gain up now. I had the gain really low in the basement because I was right next to the heater or the air conditioner or whatever, mm -hmm. and so like that's why it ended up. Oh, does, I might, that, does that look good? This is looking a little low. Let's bring it up. See, let's turn up the party. Well, here we go. Yeah, that was a fucking party. Now it's a podcast. Stop. We. Export Audio Episode 64. I am, as always, your host, Allison June. My co-host, as always, is... Nora Blake. 
<laughs> I didn't know how you wanted to introduce yourself, so I just I could you. introduce myself as your fiance if you'd like. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> hi everybody. We're engaged. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I wanted to finish what I was saying right before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. I started to say something and then realized it was good podcast material and that we wanted to talk about the we wanted to do a podcast this morning, so I yeah. should just we should just get going. Yeah. Um get going. So, um yeah, so I was reading um I'll give listeners some context, I guess. We went to our local anarchist coffee shop, um, and they have a little Mocha Bees in St. Louis. It's called Mocha Bees. Uh, yeah, it's in St. Louis in the Tower Grove neighborhood. About like 20 minutes away from us. Um, 30 with like everything involved. Yeah, 30 with like <laughs> parking and traffic and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, making out in the car before we go in. Making out in the car before we go in. So... We went to Mokabee's. They have a bookshelf there um, with, like, lots of different categories of reading. They have, like, communist readings and anarchist readings and queer and feminist and, like, stuff about race. Uh, and so I was looking at the, like, anarchism section. There's one stack of books just labeled Fuck Trump. Yeah. It's anti-fascist organizing was that oh, okay. stack. Yeah, it's it, fuck Trump. The label says it fuck says Trump. it says fuck Trump, and then in parentheses below it, anti-fascist organizing. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I was looking at the anarchist section, and they had um, the pagan anti-capitalist primer. Uh, I can look up the authors on Goodreads. I did put it into my Goodreads. Uh, so if we're following your Goodreads. Uh, where? What's your Goodreads? So if people want to. Um, <laughs> Follow me reading anti-capitalist books on Checks Notes, a website owned by Amazon, so that I can categorize my reading and they can advertise to me better. Uh, uh-huh. I am at uh, just Alley Coffee, A-L-I Coffee. Um, I think that's all you need to search. You'll find me. I don't have a profile picture, but I should. I'll maybe like get one. Put a put a Ghibli girl on there. Put a Ghibli girl on that. Anyway. So I was reading... It also says you're in Lawrence. It does say I'm in Lawrence, <laughs> Kansas. I'm not going to change that. Because um, you are in your heart. Did you yes. ever finish Transformer? No, I got to the 52% bar, as you can see, and uh, did not finish it. I, um, I've noticed, and I've stopped doing this, except for books I read on my Kindle automatically do it. But there's that 8.30 in the morning alarm. I've stopped putting books in my um, currently reading on Goodreads because every time I've put a book in my currently reading, mm-hmm. I have not finished it. Uh-huh. Now, this book here, it's because I'm reading on my Kindle and my Kindle will just automatically send info to Goodreads. Sure. So, I wonder if mine does that. I don't think it does. Anyway, the A Pagan Anti-Capitalist Primer, not the A, is by Allie, Valkler- Allie Valkyrie and Reed Wildermuth. Um... <laughs> And you can just Google this. It's free on the internet because they're anarchists and don't really believe in, like... Money. Money and owning things. (laughs) And it's more important to spread the message than to, uh, you know, make profit. Anyway, a lot of the stuff in that book I kind of already knew. They had a really interesting section, though, on... um, It it was titled, I believe... um, divest from capitalism invest in your communities and so it was talking about like um if you have a 401k if you have a retirement fund 
what a 401k is, is you are investing your money so that you can have more capital in the future, right? I thought 401k was that tabletop game. I don't know what a 401k Warhammer 401k? Uh-huh. I'm sure someone's done that joke before, right? Certainly. Yeah. The, uh, the emperor in 40k is, like, definitely very old and stuck on the throne and... So, old. the more you invest your money, you know, because, um, you know, you're investing your money hoping that this company, you know, whatever you're investing in succeeds so that you get money back. You get more money than you put in, right? That doesn't sound real. That sounds like fake magic. Yes. I give you two bucks to... Okay. You know what investing is. You're acting like you don't yes. know what investing is. And it's really I, okay, <laughs> keep going. Just talk. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so um, when you invest your money in some business or whatever, you are investing your money in the success of capitalism in the future. And, like, you, if you want Starbucks to succeed, you buy Starbucks stock, you want Starbucks to succeed, you, you really need capitalism to succeed and so it's talking about like you should not be investing money you should not be like you know you should be using your money to support yourself and people around you not to support capitalism as a structure you know and so it talked about like talked about like you know don't be putting money in a 401k be putting money into gofundmes for trans people who need surgeries don't keep your money in a bank. Keep your money in a credit union because um, credit unions are not-for-profit organizations. But there aren't any credit unions with the initials BOFA. <laughs> that is an unfortunate true thing, that BOFA is a bank. Um, BOFA of America. <laughs> and the other thing, I do like having an app now on my phone just called BOFA. It's really good. It's good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I think even once I switch away from BOFA, I will keep the app on my phone just so that I can periodically see it and just be like, huh, BOFA. <laughs> um, and so the reason we got on this subject was it was talking about, like, um, we were talking about lawns and how having a lawn is bullshit because doing yard work... Is bullshit. ...sucks. And, like, you know... Humans, like, humans, individual people <laughs> can't really influence climate change. Like, me not getting a straw at Starbucks, like, doesn't really change global warming. That's praxis. You actually. know? Actually, it's, it's praxis. Especially, we're going to have rainbow metal straws. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, I do know... A lot of people who've come in just to buy those rainbow straws. Oh, is that a real thing that you have? Oh, were you joking? I was joking. <laughs> we saw we started selling rainbow straws during Pride Month. Reusable straws. Reusable straws. Reusable plastic straws. Still plastic. Huh? Still, still plastic. Okay. Well, we do have some cups with metal straws, but a lot I of mean, cups metal straws are... fucking suck. Yeah. I don't want metal on my tongue ever. Yeah. Like, basically ever. Yeah. Even, like, if I'm eating a dessert, I really don't want to lick the spoon that much. That's fair. Anyway, um, 
But as far as things that individual people can do to influence climate change, yard work is a big thing. If we if we stopped like having lawns and caring for lawns and like watering and mowing and all these things, that would that would not be like you know that would not stop climate change, but it would do something. You know, mm-hmm. yards are a huge impact on the ecology. Um, and something I was reading in this book was that, like, yeah, home ownership uh, is not a thing in a lot of in a lot of the world, or like it is a thing, but like you know, ten, fifteen, twenty percent of people own their own homes. In the U.S., uh, there was a massive push by um, banks in the early part of the century to get everybody to own homes because like you know in the early part of the 20th century there was more labor organizing and strikes and protests and stuff and they realized that workers that owned a home that had to pay for their like house payment um were more likely to be complacent um and Mm -hmm. not strike and not um you know, all that. Because if you're renting, you're worried about making rent this month. If you own a home, you're now invested for $200,000 over the next 30 years of your life. And you can't risk your home for the next 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, on this strike. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really interesting thing. And I was like, you know, this this pamphlet was encouraging people like, yeah, don't buy a house rent and you and I were talking about what if we just lived in apartments the rest of our lives so that we never had to have a lawn mostly because we don't like doing yard work and there's a shouts to dads for making us do yard work uh to like sharpen us into men or something or something I love I think my dad was just lazy and wanted to scream at me until I did yard work I love like wearing shoes that are too small for me for like two or three years because they were yard shoes Mm-hmm. 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 Love to squish my feet. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh hi. So yeah, we yeah. We're just gonna rent apartments for the rest of our lives after we're out of this house. That also we're, in. we're engaged. Hi, we're engaged. We got engaged. We, we I proposed this morning. I really wanted to like what I wanted to do uh-huh. was just do like an entire hour of the podcast and not mention that we got engaged, but no, I'm why? Because it was going to be a, a fun bit that I did. Eh. I didn't really discuss it. So no, you really didn't. <laughs> uh, the communication in this marriage is already falling apart. I was just hoping to bulldozing you into doing what I wanted instead of what you wanted. That's not going to work. <laughs> we all know why. <laughs> um. So yeah. <laughs> You were tweeting on your private account mm-hmm, yesterday yeah. about wanting to propose and mm-hmm. a bunch of things, and I woke up this morning being like, damn, I know that proposal's coming soon, and I tweeted, I want to get proposed to, and then I, like, kind of, I was trying to get out of bed and, like, not wake you up. Apparently, you were awake. I was uh, waiting for this moment. You were waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sleep? Yeah. When? Uh, I went to bed early. It was, yeah. like, closer to midnight. Okay, I slept like what, ten to six, nine to six, something today? like that. I know I woke up at six. I don't know quite when I fell asleep. Yeah, um, but I had the ring in the drawer of our dresser, and I moved it to the crevice of 
like between the box spring or and the frame of the bed mm-hmm. uh, last night so that I could reach it from in bed. I was going to do it in bed, and then I thought, no, I do really want to kneel. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I woke up and said, I want to get proposed to you once I realized you were awake. And apparently you thought I had seen the ring. Mm-hmm. I had not. <laughs> Either way. I was going to do it in the kitchen this morning anyway. Mm-hmm. I just decided to do it right then before we got out of bed. Um, I did get to get out and like kneel in front of you and everything. Give you a little speech. Mm-hmm. You just started talking about like Ventus and Roxas and mm-hmm. Venitas. And I thought you just had a dream about them. I didn't realize you were going into the proposal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was using, you know, stories and allegory to uh-huh. talk about feelings. Yeah. We will always understand our feelings through Kingdom Hearts. I really hope they keep making... Uh, Tetsuya Nomura keeps making games because, like, presumably as life moves onward, we will continue to have more and different feelings, and I will just need more Kingdom Hearts yeah, allegories for... at some point, Sora for... and Riku need to adopt a kid. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need that. <laughs> I guess we could just play him just four for that. Jesus. Fuck. Snake and Otacon adopt a kid. We talked about... Yeah. So... Okay. So Nora and I have been talking about this. We're not adopting a kid. We're not adopting a kid. (laughs) Yet. Yet. Maybe someday. (laughs) It's like... If you're our child in the future listening to our podcast from an archive, I'm hi. so sorry. <laughs> uh, we used to be cool and funny. Um, now we're neither of those things. Clean your room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a room? Do we have rooms in the future? <laughs> no, just the earth's on fire. <laughs> Is it all VR? It's all VR. Anyway, Oasis. <laughs> I couldn't remember if that was Snow Crash or Ready Player One. <laughs> What's the fucking difference? What is the fucking difference? I mean, the difference is that... <sighs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a fly. Snow Crash at least thinks it's cyberpunk. Um, well, does it? Is cyberpunk a word when that book gets written? Well, okay. Here's the thing. If you go to the Snow Crash Wikipedia <clears throat> page, this was true at one time. I'm going to check on this. Science fiction novel, it says. Um... Wikipedia lists Snow Crash's genres as science fiction, cyberpunk, and post-cyberpunk. That's bullshit. <laughs> cyberpunk is too poorly defined for post-cyberpunk to be a thing that exists. Oh, no. See, that was supposed to be a list of... Um, that that entry there, post-cyberpunk, actually should have been the person who did the um, soundtrack for the audiobook, because that's post-cyberpunk alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so funny. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna type into the export audio group chat real quick. Episode 64, post Cyberpunk Malone, <laughs> so I don't forget this title. When post Malone opens the door for you, he says "Milady," and you say "Malone." Malone. <laughs> <sighs> oh, anyway, anyway, fuck Snow Crash. We can't continue to make fun of Snow Crash on our podcast, especially when I was trying to lead into the next thing. Sorry, we, we talked about it with Regs? Yeah, on episode 62. But also just, like, outside of the podcast. Yeah. And then we, we've we talked about Neil Stevenson a lot lately, just in our lives. Which is weird, because I've only read one Neil Stevenson book, and it was half of Snow Crash. I also read Reem D. 
Which wasn't really worth it, but Seven I Eves, read all of it. Seven Eves seems really rad. Every Neil Stevenson book seems rad, like, on its face. I only know Seven Eves because uh, Gita Jackson talked about yes. it on Match 3, like, five years ago or something. Remember and Match 3? And her description of Seven Eves just has lingered in my head. Do you remember which 2016 Democratic presidential <sighs> candidate? No, not candidate, no, right? No. Do you remember who, what per, what Democrat trying to run for president was in the room adjacent to that Match 3 recording? Do you remember his name? Oh, Martin O'Malley. I think that's right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> How's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> How's old Martin doing? Hi. We are big Match 3 fans. We're big Match 3 fans. I want to start talking... I want to finish talking about this the sentence I started... My podcast. <laughs> I started a sentence five minutes ago. I would like to finish it. Um, we can't just shit talk Snow Crash. Because... So, yesterday I was talking to you. I'm having an issue where... I know... For a fact, yes. I watched Metal Gear Scandlin 1, 2, and 3. And the... This is related to Snow Crash? It was related to something we were talking about five minutes ago, okay. and I started to bring it up. Okay, okay, go. I started to bring this up five minutes ago. <laughs> go I forget ahead. why. Go ahead. Because we were talking about them adopting a child. In we were talking about them adopting a child. Fugue state. Fugue state. <laughs> <laughs> And I know I watched episode one of Metal Gear Scanlon 4, mm-hmm. and I know I've read the plot of MGS4 uh, on Wikipedia, but, like, my friends have talked intermittently about MGS4 a lot in the past year, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing that maybe I haven't actually seen MGS4, because, like, there's shit people talk about that I don't remember, and I wonder if maybe I like watched one episode, watched a couple cutscenes, read the plot, and like didn't actually see MGS four sure. because like there's just so much shit that I've forgotten about MGS four. Yeah. So we were talking about you playing through MGS four because apparently you can do that pretty quick. Pretty quick, like I'm, yeah. Especially if I put it on easy, I don't think I've ever played it on easy. I think there's even a very easy. Mm-hmm. But like. If you do one act a day, you can do it in a week. Yeah. It's like, you know, sitting down and watching a movie. It's going to be a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're like three or four hours of gameplay and maybe two hours each of cutscenes. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe don't do it in a day, but, like, we could do it in a day. Yeah. I can also just watch the, like, cutscene movie on YouTube. Yeah, but that's not as fun as sitting down with your wife and watching me play a video game. That's fair. What if instead of a ring, I got you a screenshot of a custom mug printed on a t-shirt? I hate you. Anyway, so... Uh, buy me a fucking ring. I'm going to buy you a ring. Anyway, speaking of Metal Gear Solid, I remember some good content. Can I read you some good content? Uh-huh. This comes to us from, uh, I don't know if you know this person, Weed Lord Vegeta. Hmm. Uh, curious name, this this friend. At uh, Ansem underscore ebooks on Twitter, uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. who tweeted this the other day, and it will it's now just going to be lodged in my brain for the rest of my life, because it's a fucking incredible paragraph here. Oh, I thought you were just going to say you lost the game. 
No, though. Because they did retweet. No, no, no. That. They tweeted that two days ago. And while trying to find this tweet from like four days ago Mm -hmm. that they did, um, I found that you lost the game tweet and of course had to retweet it. Yeah, everyone listening to this podcast has lost the game. Now, if you are our child in the future (laughs) listening to this podcast, the game is sort of a... a, you're just like going reaching for a cup of coffee. Yeah, I was gonna sip my uh, sip my. I've got two mugs. I've got one that's covered in flowers and cacti, and it's got some milk in it. Mm-hmm. And I've got another mug that says hers, and it's got coffee in it. So I was gonna take a sip of milk and let you explain the game to our child. The object of the game is to not play it, is to forget that you're playing it. So if you remember that you're playing it, you lose it, and you have to announce that you've lost it. Yes. By learning about the existence of the game, you are now locked into playing the game for the rest of your life. And so basically, if you think about the game, you've lost the game and must tell everybody else around you that they have lost the game. This is what we did for fun in, <laughs> what, 2010? <laughs> Nine? Nine, right? I would have been, like, 13 through 16, so, like... Yeah, I guess it would have been, like... 2006 to 2010. I remember playing, I remember shit saying, you lost the game in middle school. I was in middle school in 08 and 09, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Invader Zim. Invader Zim. I, I told you, I, I want to read this MGS content. Have I told you why I can't watch Invader Zim anymore? I mean, besides the fact that uh, it doesn't really it, hold up. Because it fucking sucks. It doesn't suck. It I just, think it sucks. That's fair. You're it's, allowed to think it's... It's obnoxious and wretched. All fair criticisms. I would probably still have like some nostalgia for it, despite knowing it's obnoxious and wretched. Except um, when I was fifteen, I had a girlfriend, and um, oh, congrats! <laughs> and we would make out in my room, mm-hmm. you know. Except we didn't want my parents to know that right, we were making right. out, so we would put on a TV show and be like, uh-huh. "We're just watching TV. We're not making out," and we watched all of Invader Zim like six times because we would just put it on and mm-hmm. make out and there's not that much of Invader Zim. Let me tell you about me going to see the Jaden Smith Karate Kid movie. Because that's same. Yeah. It was that Prince of Persia Grown Ups and Inception. The first time I made out with a girl was um, watching Hugo. <laughs> I've told my first kiss story on this podcast, right? Maybe, probably. Was in the library? I think you told this story on the last podcast we did. That you just... talked about making out of borders on the last podcast we no, did. No, our first, that was the same person, but our first kiss was in the teen section of the public library, the Allen Public Library in the little room marked Teenscape. I don't know if that's still there, uh, by I which I mean the library. Uh, it's a big library. It's a nice library. Um, there's a teen room called a Teenscape, and uh, behind like the second or third shelf, we, uh, we had our first kiss. And I think some kids laughed at us or something. Anyway, so they call him Vamp because he's bisexual. That's the explanation in MGS2. So can I read you this tweet from at Ansimo underscore ebooks? Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that MGS2, being as good as it is, is truly and genuinely a miracle. 
And here's a paragraph from what appears to be a fan wiki. In Metal Gear Solid 2, Fortune was originally intended to be a saxophone player herself and would play the sax during cutscenes throughout the game. Did you see this? Mm-mm. <laughs> she was also to have suffered from a blood disease for which Vamp would regularly suck out her blood as a form of treatment in an erotic fashion. Mm-hmm. Additionally, Fortune was to carry Chinese fortune cookies around with her and would read them during combat. <laughs> I mean, do you want to talk about the other member of Dead Cell that didn't make it into the game? With each one saying, you will have great fortune. Later, she would also open one as she died, where it would also say, you will have great fortune. Her development was also largely a reason why Vamp had his gender changed, as he was originally designed to be female. That's just one paragraph. Do you want to talk about the character who didn't make it in MGS2? I don't know who that is. I don't know this, but I don't know this. What's, um... Do you you need me to uh, vamp as you... Uh... Have I... I probably said this on the podcast. I know I've said this off the podcast. I really feel like a good podcast would be Do You Remember This Shit? Where you and I just watch cutscene movies of every Metal Gear game and just, yeah. like, do a podcast immediately after. We're like, do you remember this bullshit? Do you remember how racist that, uh, what's his name, Hawk? Is it Hawk? Who? The the boss you fight in the freezers of MGS1 who carries his around. His name the- is not Hawk. His name is Vulcan Raven. Oh, <laughs> Hawk is the, uh, I think Hawk is the racist Native American caricature from Damon X Machina. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah, but do, just, do you remember this shit? We watched the cutscenes of MGS1, or like a cutscene movie of MGS1, and like, do you remember how fucking racist Vulcan Raven is? Vulcan mm. Raven? Maybe this character did... Yeah, okay, okay. So Can I quickly just no, say... No. Can I say something and then... It's like three words. Millennium Falcon Raven? Anyway. So, these characters were cut and that they didn't appear in the game, but I guess they're still canon. Oh. Um, members of Dead Cell. Dead Cell is the fox sound of MGS2, right? Basically. Members of Dead Cell. Solidus Snake. Founder. Colonel Jackson, original commander. They love Nichijo. For <laughs> I don't know. Don't look at me like that. Oh, Colonel Jackson loves Nichijo. Yes. I thought this was a Nichijo joke that I didn't get, which was weird because I I haven't seen Nichijo and I know you have not seen Nichijo. <laughs> Fortune, second commander. Vamp, knife expert. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wizard of knives. Shouts out to Julie. Fat man, demolition expert. Old boy, experienced soldier. I think that... Is that a reference to a movie and a Kojima game? I don't know, but I think that concept eventually became the end Mm. in three. Old boy is a movie. And then we have a martial artist named Chinaman. He just never showed up. There's art. There's concept art of of this character. But canonically, Chinaman exists... I think canonically he exists. He's Vietnamese! What the fuck? We are shouting. Holy we are shit. Screaming. I just clicked the button to see this character and it says that he's Vietnamese. I'm just going to turn this shit. game down a little bit because we are screaming. This is this fucked morning. up. Uh, 
He was killed six months before the Big Chill incident. He was a CQB specialist and mystic. CQB? CQB. Close quarters battling? No, it just links to the Wikipedia article for close quarters combat. Uh, not, the, not the MGS wiki no. article for close quarters combat. <laughs> the real Wikipedia article for CQC. Yeah. Uh, this sucks. And I'm done talking about it. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if. Do you remember that shit will be a podcast um, that exists? But I think it would be a fun podcast to do. I guess we will have to do if we play through MGS four. We will just naturally do a. Yeah. Do you remember this shit? Episode one, MGS four. <laughs> what is it? Guns of the Patriots. Yes. What are the subtitles? It's Metal Gear Solid. Twin Snakes. Tw- Twin Snakes, technically, I guess. Yeah. Um, MGS2, Sons of Liberty, 3, Substance or Subsistence? 2, Substance, 3, Subsistence, but the subtitle is Snake Eater. Oh, duh, Snake Eater. Then Guns of the Patriots, then Ground Zero slash Phantom Pain. Don't forget Ghost Babble. Uh, How could I forget Ghost Babble? (laughs) Portable Ops. Yeah, Peace Walker. Peace Walker. But I don't think... Acid, Acid (laughs) 2... (laughs) Square. War of Lions. Well, right, yeah, let us cling together. Revelations. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4, let us cling together. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4, Black Flag. <laughs> this Kojima guy seems to like music. <laughs> I did this on Mayan or Alt, but I feel like I tweeted about Death Stranding a little bit, and I maybe misrepresented what you thought about Death Stranding, so I wanted to give you a chance to talk about Death Stranding. I don't know. I don't know what he thinks this game is. (laughs) Who he thinks this game is for. There's a line in that video where he says, people who like this sort of thing will really enjoy it. And he, so, there's a there's a bit where he the character stays. Oh, Daddy's here. Daddy's here. He's walking down this big hill toward a city, and there's a musical cue. And the I want to show you something. Okay. okay. Anna's here now. I guess. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, show them the. Yeah. They're gonna go show off their wedding ring. Anyway, Death Stranding. Hi, everybody. I had to tell my best friend that I got engaged while they were asleep. Anyway. There's a musical cue. The song starts playing. It gives the song credit and everything. And and Kojima's like, you could drive your bike through here, but you wouldn't get any of this. You would just arrive at the destination, and you wouldn't, like, have the song. You wouldn't run and see all the environment, and the camera wouldn't pull back. And it's like... This is very specific thing that he is making and then there's the part where you play with norman um okay so let's yeah let's pull back a little Uh bit yeah let's go broad yeah i have not seen any death stranding footage i have not i've seen some of the trailers i was excited at one time when you saw the mads trailer 
So the Mads Guillermo trailer. Mm-hmm. And like... I thought this game... Uh-huh. Was going to be a series of trailers to like 2021. And then at some point materialize into a game. And I always knew that at some point once it started becoming... A game, I would lose interest. Yeah. And then I was always only going to care about, like, whatever marketing nonsense. I don't know why. Probably because as time goes on, I feel worse and worse about Metal Gear as a franchise that I love. Mm-hmm. Death Stranding seems really bad. <laughs> I don't know if it's bad, um, you do have to manage your weight and balance of your backpack as you load up on cargo. And you use L and R to lean back and forth to keep your balance. As you run through the countryside connecting America from east to west, it's, you know, you go east to west and, uh, and connect people in America. The United Cities of America, the UCA. You do just start on the east coast and head west. I'm sure that's not a theming thing or anything, that's just... No. Certainly. Uh, also, it was a game made by... made a, a game about connections made by connecting with people and just talking to people he wanted to work with and then working with them, is what he was saying. That's what The Strand is. It's, it's, it's connections to... Oh, people. it's a Strand game. It's a Strand game. It's a Strand-like. <laughs> yeah, you know, that classic <laughs> genre of Strand games. Is Dust Wardens a Strand game? Yeah. <laughs> is Journey... <laughs> We're referencing a giant bomb video. Of course we are. We're on a podcast. Yeah. What do people do on podcasts other than reference giant bomb videos? Reference Idle Thumbs podcasts? I guess so. <laughs> um, I want to play this game. You will I'm play this game. That, I will watch it. I'm glad that Death Stranding comes out in November because Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which that's too many colons in that title, uh, Star Wars colon Jedi colon fallen order i think is the name let me anyway go. don't fact check this okay um i'm glad i'll have time to play star wars before uh death stranding comes out yeah with a name like death stranding you'd think it would be on the ds that would be so fucking cool actually <laughs> if you just if sony <laughs> Imagine if Sony gave him the biggest budget he could ever ask for and he made a DS game. I and they think... were just like, could you at least do a Vita game? And he's like, no. It's a DS game. I only wish that this game was called Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding. I only wish that Sony gave him the biggest budget in the world and he insisted they release a special DualShock 4 that had a sun meter on the touchpad. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you and fuck your bok toy. Bok tai? Bok tai. Bok tai. Bok tai. Fuck you. <laughs> I played Lunar Nights once. It was the first portable game I ever played that had, like, voices in it. And I was like, whoa, you can do this? I really want to... My friends are playing Zoe 2. I really want to play Zoe 2. Wait, Lunar Nights? Is that it? Lunar Nights is the DS one, I believe. We've done this on... You know what other DS game I played? Lunar Dragon Song. What's that? It's a cool JRPG where in a fight you hit attack and you don't get to pick what enemy you attack. Hmm. It's we've... weird, and I kind of like it a lot. Yeah, we've done this on an episode of Newbie before uh, with Curly there, but... Uh... 
So there's Boktai 1 and 2 for the Game Boy Advance. I believe Boktai 2 only came out in Japan. And then Lunar Nights was the DS sequel. But DS, the DS sequel takes out some of the like sun cartridge functionality. Good! It's a functional video game. Uh, the game was revamped to remove the necessity of using the real-life solar sensor due to player troubles. However, it still retains the functionality if any Game Boy Advance cartridges of Boktai are inserted. So if you had a DS or a DS Lite, you couldn't do this on a DSi, but you could have like... Boktai in the bottom and um, Lunar Knights in the top and as some of the gameplay features are exclusive to Japan the original names of the characters are used in such instances I've definitely read the Wikipedia page on an episode of Newbie before maybe I definitely have um but yeah I kind of want to play Zone of the Enders you want to play Zone of the Enders? Well, I'll play through Zone of the Enders. <laughs> I'll play through Zone of the Enders. It seems bad, but I will play through it. Um, it's not bad. It's a very good tech demo for Zone of the Enders, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. I remember hearing it was bad. It's, but it's whatever. It's four hours long. Like, that's the thing, is I'll just play through Zone of the Enders 1, because I, I really want to play through... Zoe too, and like the best part about Zoe is that that character, the player character in Zoe one, shows up in Zoe two. Yeah, in a cooler mech than the mech you get to pilot. Yeah, because it can tr- turn into a, a ship like a spaceship. Yeah, so if if I'm gonna play through Zoe two, I might as well play through. What Zoe if the one. Victory Gundam can turn into a spaceship, but without splitting into three parts? My friend, uh-huh. let me tell you about the Zeta Gundam. Oh, the Zeta Gundam. <laughs> the Zeta Gundam. It can turn into an airplane. Uh-huh. A space airplane? Yeah, a space airplane. Or a regular airplane, if you were in atmosphere. But yeah, it could... It just... The Zeta Gundam transformed. Hmm. That's all. It's cool. Yeah. The Zeta Gundam, it's sick. Does it play Gradius music when you pilot it? Because <laughs> the Vic Viper sure does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that Jackson and M played through Zoe 2 before we spoiled this on a podcast, because you've definitely spoiled this to me before. And then... I love it so much, I could, I, I didn't know, is that a spoiler? I mean, it, it, imagine playing through this game and, like, not knowing that and that showing up. Now, How I'm many not... people know who Vic Viper is or what yeah, Vic this Viper was, is? Yeah, this is the problem, is I'm glad you told me, because I played Gradius, loved it like eight years ago or something. Mm-hmm. It's, I would not recognize any Gradius music now. Um, sure. I would he not shoots rings. He shoots rings at you. That's good. It's really good. It is Gradius, right? Yeah. Gradius is the Konami one. Good. Didn't get it confused. There think- it is. That's really cool. It's really cool. If you scroll down, you can see the... Uh, scroll down on that side. You can see it uh, transform. Or not. I think it just turns into this, though. Yeah. Um. I was going to say something. Uh, I hope so. This is a podcast. This is a podcast. Um, you have a hair out of place. Yes, tuck my hair behind my ear. Um... So, content. Content? Content? Is this the first time we've ever run out of content in the middle of an export audio? 
Fuck no, we just keep going. <laughs> I just... We've gotten into this rhythm of, like, we start talking about one thing, and then, like... Maybe we can talk about books we're reading. What books are we reading? I'm reading The People's History of the Vampire Uprising. I want to try and get that. I have a credit on Libro in a couple mm-hmm. days, and mm-hmm. I'll pick that up. I'm liking it so far. Um, it peeps, Some people probably know by now that I have a very strong interest and fascination in vampires. Um, this seems to be scratching a little bit of that itch. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, we both read... So, specifically, I don't care about vampires as predators. Yeah. I'm way more interested in them as... I, I use them in my writing a lot as metaphors for transness. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people, I would say everyone except me, doesn't do that. Yeah. People's history is using them as a, a metaphor for immigration, right? Or marginalization, or... I don't know. I don't know yet. The first uh, vampire... The first known vampire is from Dallas. Mm-hmm. So that's great. She walks into a fucking art show in a turtleneck and, uh, like, dark jeans and a Stetson covering her eyes. And it describes her as, like, temptation in human form or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fucking cool. And I want to be that. <laughs> um, we, you read my lesbian experience of with loneliness. Oh yeah, which I, I have podcasted about before. You have, yeah. Mm, voice, you have. Yeah, me and Mikey and another friend, um, Apple Saucers, who mm. did an episode of Zero Heroes about it. It's exceptionally good. You read it and were not as into it as I was. I don't know. I've read through my lesbian experience twice, and it's just like, I feel like, you know, it is the book that most powerfully understands um, the way that I experience depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, and... I, it would be a different story if I had any relationship with my parents, because that is a big focal point of that yeah. book, and yeah. that's not a thing I have, so it did not affect me in the way that it affected a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. But... I understand. It's a very good, like, book. It's very... It's good, good drawing, good words. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just did not, like, hook me in the way that it hooked a lot of other people I know. But, uh, yeah, it's a good book. Um, we're kind of blazing through things. It's like, I don't have anything to say about people's history. You don't have much to say about my lesbian experience. And I've podcasted about my lesbian experience before. Uh, we both read The Pervert by Remy Boydell and uh, Michelle Perez, um, which... I don't, I don't know. really have anything to say about that one either. I don't but have anything to say about good. it. I read it. I'm glad I read it. I don't have anything to say about it because it is kind of a dreamscape thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here's something I was thinking about while reading The Pervert. I don't relate to the pervert at all. Sure. Like, it's not... Like, the way that the character in Pervert, in the pervert, uh, understands transness is extremely different from my own transness. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. But something I've noticed is that I only ever understand like trans art through can I see myself in this 
Uh-huh. You know? And I feel like... It was something interesting where, like, I don't see myself in the pervert, and that's that's fine. People should make art about trans experiences that I don't relate to. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know how to... I don't have a good framework for enjoying trans art that I don't, like, see myself in, you know? Sure. Like, I feel like all of my understandings of other tre- other people's transness has to relate to my own, and I feel like that's a that's a mental prison. Kind of myopic, to. I guess. Yeah, myopic. Like, I don't know. I definitely can recognize transness even if I don't identify it, and, like, yeah. I can revel in that mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, I've talked a lot about how Transangelic Exodus is such a formative piece of media for me, but, like, I don't see myself in all of that. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is kind of foreign to me. Because a lot of it has to do with with this coming from this space. It seemingly I don't I'm, I don't know Ezra personally seems to be from a space of a person who very very much falls in love with men, which is not a thing I've ever done. It's not a perspective I generally have, and it feels like it feels like transangelic exodus uh, is from the perspective of like. I came out as a gay man, and I thought I'd figured it out. Yeah. And it turned out I hadn't, that there was, like, transness still below me that I had not addressed Mm -hmm. in coming out as a gay man. Whereas, I think I came out as a bisexual person, always knew, even when I didn't know, like, I always knew there was something I hadn't scratched, and, like, it was very clear very quickly that it was, like, Covering up the transness, you know, and like I always knew that something else was coming, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't spend much time thinking of myself as a bisexual man, you know. I didn't spend much time gendering myself. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that too. Uh, didn't know, didn't know that that was like hmm, part yeah. of it for me. Uh, but anyway, like I. One of the benefits of, like, of having friends of other, like, experiences with transness is is that, like, seeing the parts where it overlaps mm-hmm. and seeing the, like, transformation divorced from form mm-hmm. and, like, just the act of transcendence is more universal. Because mm-hmm. the desire and the, the, the dream of, of change... Is pretty universal. Yeah. Like, even that could be physical, that could be social, that could be spiritual change. Mm -hmm. But, like, change is kind of, like, change and growth and evolution is, like, sort of the constant there that I can, like, hook into and understand. Yeah. It's weird because I read my lesbian experience with loneliness and I point at it and say, that's me. And because that's me... I like this book. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I don't dislike the pervert, but it's like, because I can't point at it and say, that's me, mm-hmm. it's harder to figure out how to like it. You know? Yeah. And that's something I want to work on in myself of just, like, you know. You can also like it regardless of whether it's trans. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's there's good media out there that's not trans. Presumably. Yeah, Carsey Headrest is just gay, <laughs> not trans. I thought of Carsey Headrest because, like, Will Toledo has a quote in The Pervert. Um, hmm. And, like, 
Yeah, car seat headrest is just bisexual, homosexual, has clearly queer, queer, like, okay, I love car seat headrest, one of my favorite bands. You say this all the time. I say this all the time. I know. Skip, you know. <laughs> I do. Um. Anyway, uh, like, he just kind of moans and mumbles and howls a lot. Mood. And so, there's a lot of his lyrics that I don't process. Um, you know, the album that introduced me to him, uh, Teens of... So he's got two albums. One's called Teens of Denial. One's called Teens of Style. Mm-hmm. It's whichever one has the dudes fighting on the cover, which I think is Teens of Denial. I think Teens of Denial, the 2016 album, mm-hmm. um, is how I learned about Car Seat Headrest. And I know the lyrics on that album. I don't know the lyrics on um, Twin Fantasy at all. And Twin Fantasy is like definitely much more... Um, like, uh, has more queerness in it, but I just have never paid attention to the words in that album. Um, Metric's my favorite band. I don't think there's really anything gay about it. Yeah. Why did I start talking about Carsey Headrest? We were talking about media that's good that isn't trans. Yeah, yeah. It I, mean, is I don't think Carsey Headrest is trans. Could be, I the guess. The band? I mean... The concept? Carsey Headrest is sort of a mountain goats where there is a band, like other musicians definitely contribute, but like Will Toledo is Carsey Headrest, and those other musicians can rotate a little bit. Um, music, music is great. Music's pretty good. People should listen to Carsey Headrest. People should, if people want to know where to hook into uh, Carsey Headrest, uh, I heard about them because. Someone played me Vincent and was like, like, this song is, like, everything, and I think that's true. I think Vincent is just one of the best songs that exists. Um, Will Will is a fucking remarkable songwriter. They're like, Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales is probably, like, my favorite song by them. Like, um, uh... Destroyed by Hippie Powers is another favorite. Like, But, like, if you want to introduce yourself to Car Seat Headrest, just go listen to Vincent. I think that's the best example of his songwriting. I feel like everything is there in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I poured myself a drink. I told myself why. It's good. It's just good. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... That song is also like seven minutes long, and you know I love songs that are seven minutes long. <laughs> or less than two minutes. Less than two, more than six. There Those you are go. the two acceptable lengths of songs. Songwriters um, take note. Yeah. I've never written a song more than 90 seconds Did you, long. I played this for you a little bit, and I don't know if you ever went and listened to the rest of the album, because I think it's good. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. Did you ever... I don't know what that is. That was the one with the, like, like six different, like, competing voices and choirs. It was, like... Did we listen to that on our way to the comic shop? I think so. Yeah. 
Did you ever listen to the rest of that? No. It's really good. I think you would really like that. I would think you would really like that album. Yawn. Big yawn. Big yawn might take a nap this morning. Yeah? I mean, probably only slept like five, six hours, so... Yeah. Which is normal. Yeah. But, uh... I went to bed early last night because I was too excited. I wanted to go to bed and go to sleep so I could get up and propose. Um... I feel like we promised a podcast... Or to talk about something on the podcast that we haven't yet, and I don't know what that would be. Like, I don't do aeroplanes, so that's not it. <laughs> yeah. Did we? I mean, we wanted the war on our stars to start before the end of the month. I don't know. Shrug. Shrug. We'll see. We'll do our best. Here's the thing with the war. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. Uh, we wanted to do a podcast about... We didn't talk about this on the mic, but we want to do a podcast about the lamb will slaughter the lion and the bear will send what it may. Yeah. And we definitely told each other that we were going to do a podcast about that. Mm -hmm. And we probably still will. I just haven't read the bear will send what it may. Um, Uh, Yeah. We could do a mini episode right now about the lamb will slaughter. I don't have the energy for much more podcasts. You don't? No. Yeah. I guess we're at 50 minutes. We haven't hit an hour yet. But I mean, like, who cares? It's Voip Life. We haven't hit the hour yet. Oh. I always listen to Voip Life at like 1.7 speed, so I've never noticed if they've hit the hour. I'm pretty sure they talk about like, oh, we haven't hit I the know. hour yet. I know. I know. I need wouldn't... to listen to that last Voip Life. I haven't listened to it yet. It's good. It's a good episode. Abnormalmapping.com. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. Give there them 10 bucks a month. And then you get Voip Life. Yeah. It's a great podcast network. You can also find... Uh, and then an aeroplane. Yeah, I'm gonna edit, edit the Castle in the Sky episode. Um, take you all behind the sausage a little bit. Nausicaa episode. S- sorry? Behind the sausage? Okay. This isn't, this is an M joke that I have picked up that, like, I just think other people <laughs> know this joke. It's, it's a mix of I know. behind the curtain yeah, and uh-huh. how the sausage is made. Uh-huh. To take you behind the sausage a little bit. <laughs> I could okay. do so much worse. I could do this. Do you want me to make this joke worse? I, I I know how to make it worse. Thanks. To part the kimono. That's a that's a McElroy for you. That's a campaign, right? I don't know. I always thought of part the kimono as what Griffin would say. I thought it was a thing that Trist Valentine said on campaign. I mean, it could be it possible. Could be, it could be both. Could be both. Anyway, um, Nausicaa episode, Rip Roar and Good Time. Yeah. Castle of the Sky episode, a little more sparse, just because I think the movie's a little more sparse than Nausicaa is. But it's I think it's still... Ain't nothing in there. It's still a great episode. Uh, we've got after... I'm going to edit Castle in the Sky. It'll probably... Probably this podcast we're recording will go up in the day, and Castle in the Sky will go up tomorrow or Monday. going to edit both of these today. Um, but, uh, and then, um, we're moving on to Grave of the Fireflies after that. Everybody fucking... I told Autumn recently, it's wild that Grave of the Fireflies will be the episode of Aeroplane where you get to announce that you're engaged. (laughs) So they go, these things. Yeah. 
I will probably not announce that I'm engaged. <laughs> you have to announce it to all of your your fan base, all of your <laughs> I will your following. Probably you will send a Grave of the Fireflies email, and I will read from my fiance Nora, mm-hmm. and like people can just notice that change or not, you know. Um, well, you stopped calling me your girlfriend on that show, so did I? Yeah. Did I just call you my wife? No, you didn't call me anything on uh, Nausicaa. Oh, well, I definitely, like, mentioned watching Castle in the Sky with you, because I definitely was like, oh, Nora said this really funny thing, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm glad that you're keeping my jokes alive in the podcast. Uh-huh. Thank you for telling people how cool I am. Um, did I talk about Witch Hat Atelier on the last episode of this podcast? <sighs> yes, okay. I think so. Because I was looking at my Goodreads and realized that there was a book between, uh... <laughs> What I talked about and what I hadn't talked about. Anyway, do I really have... I'm looking at my favorites shelf on... Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my favorites shelf on uh-huh. Goodreads real quick. Uh-huh. This is, there's Taproot by Keezy Young, which is actually a favorite. Mm-hmm. One of the best comics that exists. <laughs> um, there's The Black Tides of Heaven by J.Y. Young. Another great book. Probably the book that, like, the most, like... Points at it. That's how I'm trans. This book, this is how I am trans. Mm-hmm. And then below, what's this? Uh, John dies at the end for some what's reason. That's that movie. That's a book I read when I was a teen and fucking loved as a teen. I'm a little less it, high on You now. added it uh, in 2017, actually. So you were not a teen when you read Why it. Did I... <laughs> you no. did give it two stars. <laughs> no. This Goodreads account is years and years old. It's It became an Allison account at some point. It was a different name at some point. Okay. I think. And so it is possible that, like, an older version of myself put this on my favorites list, and then another version of myself saw it and was like, fuck that book, two stars. I've got... A bunch of volumes of Miss Marvel, which I still really like, would probably adjust down to like three or four stars instead of five stars. Streetcar Named Desire, great. Night by Ellie Wiesel, great. Ooh! Ooh! Rack Queens Volume 1 and 2 are on here. Ooh! As much as I really love those first two volumes of Rack Queens, uh, fuck Rock Up Church! One of the, a disgusting, vile human. Fuck rat queens. Fuck rock up church. Fuck this whole enterprise. You know what you should do, listeners, is you should go get rat queens from your local public library or steal it uh, from and eat it. Steal it from your local Barnes and Noble or Amazon. We condoning crimes now. Yeah, <laughs> because rat queens is definitely fun and worth reading, but Rock Up Church is a vile, disgusting human. You can go read about that if you want. I will not disclose the details here. Sure. Uh, Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. Great, great book. I love Dust Wardens. Uh, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Great. Two saga books, which I don't understand because I don't like saga that much. I've rated both of them three stars, which is appropriate. Uh, That's fair. Where I like saga. I don't love well, saga. Well, it's one star for every year in between each volume that you read. Yeah. Because nobody um, reads it all at once. Everybody that I know read one volume, and then they waited a year and a half, read another volume, but then they're like, well, I don't really remember what happened in the last one. Every volume of Why the Last Man is in here, which I do really like Why the Last Man. I don't know why I didn't rate most of these. 
I just put them all in here. <laughs> and then after that we have... Uh, in here we have Paper Girls Volume 1. Oh. Once again, very good book. Don't know why it's in my favorites. I don't think it's a favorite. Here we have Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Uh, that's a book by Invader Zim Guy. Oh, yeah. really? I couldn't tell. It's... I don't know. I would read Johnny the Homicidal Maniac again and probably like... Like... Teenage me gave it four stars. Probably a 23-year-old me would give it three stars. I would probably still like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Huck Finn, a book that I kind of sort of like. The Fellowship (laughs) of the Ring, a book I actively dislike. You gave it two stars. I gave it two stars and put it in my favorites. (laughs) The Hobbit, a book I love. (laughs) The Hobbit, a book I love. Dracula, another book that I've given three stars and should probably give one star, honestly. What? I don't like Dracula. I forgot about this. I've heard Dracula's pretty decent. Batgirl of Burnside Volume 1, but that's really great. I wish that whole series was great, but it's not because comics are terrible. Hmm. Um, I'm not even talking about, there's some, like, there's some controversial, there's a controversial trans character in... Of course there is. Uh, that Batgirl. I don't have much problem with that character, honestly. I thought the controversy was a little overblown, though I understand why people didn't like that character, for sure. Um, I just think that... Like they didn't come up when I was looking for trans superhero characters the other day. Okay, so there's okay, there's two. Do can I talk about Batgirl for a second? Yeah, sure. You, you I just wanted to make sure because you were getting tired. I am getting tired, but please continue. So okay, there's two trans characters in Batgirl. One is Bat just and girl. <laughs> one is just her best friend, um, who just gets a really sick lesbian wedding at one point. It's very good. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves that character. Love a lesbian wedding. There's another, like, trans woman villain character, gender non-conforming villain character that's, like, a little bit of, like, queer coding just to do the evil thing. I thought... I didn't think it was as bad as everyone else thought it was, but when the controversy happened, I was like, okay, I can see this, even if I don't... The real problem with Batgirl is that, Is that like, one of those, like, queer-coded sadist characters? Probably. It's been a couple... It's been like There's two one years. of those in Azure Striker Gunvolt. He uses neo-pronouns, and it's like... Uh, yeah. I don't like that. It's probably been like two, three years since I read this, but it's like... Yeah. Um, the real problem with Batgirl is that they like... Hired Babstar, who's like this friggin' incredible illustrator, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and told her to do a monthly book. And like... Now she has Motor Crush, which comes out, like, when it's ready. And they give her a lot of time to put a lot of details into the drawings. And it's better for that. But Batgirl uh, had to come out every month. And so, like, later on in the run, like, you can tell that she's rushing. Or that, like, oh, this this issue is drawn by someone else and, like, interrupted this arc. Because it's just another side story that doesn't really matter to the overall arc. Mm-hmm. And shit like that. And it sucks. <clears throat> More from my favorite shelf, Treasure Island, a book that's okay, I guess. That book's good. I sure read the first chapter of that. 
I read that whole book because I used to date someone who thought of, who, who was like her favorite book. It's a good book. Treasure Island and Dracula are two that I'm like I should try someday. Um, and Frankenstein, obviously, but two volumes of Lumberjanes, which are fine. I don't love yeah. Lumberjanes. Nimona, which I do love. I had an idea for a an RPG that was I was told was kind of like Lumberjanes, but I've never read Lumberjanes. Um, of Mice and Men, pretty good. Probably, it's Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Batman the Court of Owls, a book that I like, I guess. You didn't rate it. You didn't rate it. Wait, is it Zach, I would probably Zach get, Snyder? I would probably give it three or four stars. Scott Snyder. Oh, that's not two names. Yeah. That's one name. Batman the Black Mirror. <laughs> oh, that's where Batman uses his all of the phones in Gotham <laughs> to create a surveillance state <laughs> and the ability to echolocate the entire city. Wait, no. That would be bad and dumb. Batman the Black Mirror is actually one of my favorite Batman things. Um, Batman the Black Mirror. What if Batman, but too much? <laughs> which ha- Atelier, which is good. Not one of my favorites. Frankenstein, which is one of the best yeah. books ever. Hamlet, it is one which of is, your favorites. Hamlet, which is... People love Hamlet. It's great. It's amazing. It's Hamlet. I don't know what you want from me. I should read Hamlet someday. The two um, Shades of Magic books, which I talked about <laughs> recently, which I would I like. I would not call them favorites. The Emperor's Soul. I fucking love that book. I fucking love that book. Uh, oh, what's this? We've got uh, seven Harry Potter books for some reason. Which one's missing? Wait. Oh, I don't have Chamber of Secrets in here. That's good. No, I do have... Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, I've got all of them in here. That's not all of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> I've got Carry On by Rainbow Rowell, which is not a great book, but did help me figure out I liked boys, so it gets points for that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good book. Fangirl. City of Final Fantasy is how I realized I like boys. Fangirl, a book I don't like, once again by Rainbow Rowell. You have two copies of that book. No, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Not really. Divergent, a book I hate. I watched that movie. This book... This is maybe the worst book I've ever read. I'm pretty sure I know the twist of the series after watching the first movie. Oh, what do you think the twist of the series is? Because I know the twist of the series because Anna loves my, the series. My interpretation is that the nature of divergence is the normal state of a human mind and everyone else who fits into these categories has been altered in some way by, like, like brain stuff. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Can I tell you the actual twist of book four? Uh, Spoilers for... We'll put a timestamp in. (laughs) You'll not. Glenn Beck, if you're listening to this, I know you love Divergent. (laughs) Skip ahead to skip the spoilers. He really fucking loves Divergent. I don't know if you... Yeah, he advertised them as... um, He, he like, pointed at the third one and said, Hello, Google Brain Mapping Project. Anyway, tell me the twist of Divergent. Okay, so, real quick. Divergent... One of the worst books I've ever read in the sense that, like, these sentences... Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. I read this sentence, and this sentence sucks. The Uh words and the order they're in, like, forget the plot, forget the characters, whatever. It's just bad. Yeah. You don't get to look at that stuff unless you can look past the the moment-to-moment, word-to-word stuff. Uh, Book four, which 
Anna really likes for some reason. Um, they're not here. They're not here. Did they leave? They left. They left? Hey, I don't even have to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, Scooter's asleep, but... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> was apparently a big controversy in the fandom because, one, they killed the main character about halfway through. Oh, cool. That's rad as fuck. And two, most people reading didn't realize that the character had died... The scene is so badly written that people did not realize this character had have, died. Or now that, I have to read these books. Or that dying was even on the table for this character. And apparently I knew someone who read the rest of the book and was like, why is she not, why is Triss just not in the rest of this book? And got confused when she didn't show up for the rest of the book. I'm thinking about that, um, that movie, <clears throat> right? Like... The actor who plays that character, you might think, oh, that's the girl from Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. That's not where I know her from. Where do you know Shailene Woodley from? I look at her and I say, oh, that's the girl from The Secret Life of the American Teenager <laughs> from ABC Family. <laughs> the TV show about teen pregnancy. We have The Lightning Thief, a book I read as a child and enjoyed and did not read the sequels to. I've thought about reading those books a few and I know that by saying that I'm inviting lots of people to like get in my mentions about it. Cause, those like, are books that people love. Yeah, the the online fan base for Percy Jackson is real. Yeah, and from what I understand, it's like, hey, what if you got older and realized Harry Potter was still good instead of realizing Harry Potter sucked? It seems like mm-hmm. it seems like if you're gonna pick up a children's series, like Lightning Thief might be the one. You know? Yeah, that seems like it's neat, but like. I should read it. I should try. Yeah. I've got... This... I, I, I'm kind of mostly past my Greek mythology phase of, like... Yeah. Nerdery, but... We've got um, the Ruby manga, um, which anthology. is just... Which is just an anthology of Yuri about um, <laughs> Ruby and Weiss. It's, uh, it's good. It's good. It's good. I have two more volumes in the basement, and they've just recently released the fourth volume... The second volume is Weiss. The third volume is Blake. The fourth volume is Yang, of course. Um, One of the Adventure Time comic books, which I like a lot of the Adventure Time comics. This is not the best one. I don't know why Candy Capers is the one in my favorites. Is it Rockport Unlimited? or? Yeah, it's basically Rockport Unlimited. It's basically that. <laughs> Except it's got the Peppermint Butler, who's one of my favorite like ancillary Adventure Time characters. And I feel Simon like you Bond. really glazed over the joke that I was making, but... The Adventure... No. Zone. Yeah, no. It's basically just... It's basically just I was that, just making a joke. It's just that arc from okay. Adventure Zone. Sure. I don't know which came out first, honestly. Who cares? But they're both just bog-standard detective stories. They're both just Agatha Christie There is a a two-and-a-half-minute chunk of the Adventure Zone that I still care about. What is it? Griffin's uh, fucking uh, loop monologue. Like, the context of loop story. Okay. In the umbrella. That's the one thing. Okay. That's the only thing that I still care about about Adventure Zone. The Adventure Time Encyclopedia, which I didn't read that much of. You skipped so, okay. Road Queen, Eternal Road Trip to Love? Yeah, that's just a really nice lesbian manga. Well, it's cool. not... Is it manga? I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't read it. <laughs> this is your list. <laughs> Road Queen, I believe, is um, by, like, 
I don't know. I don't want to get into is this manga uh, by like trying to trace someone's lineage. I realized that was mm-hmm. a bad thing I was doing. Uh, it's good. It's not one of my favorite books. I read it in a yes, day. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's re- textually one of your favorites, favorite books. It's right here on your favorites list. Yeah. Uh, then we have all of Scott Pilgrim, which, yeah, sure, that makes and sense. And Seconds. And Seconds, which... I haven't read. It's good. Hmm. I recently reread it. Still good. I'm glad he's got more stuff in him than just Scott Pilgrim. Um, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 2, Squirrel, You Know It's True. <laughs> Squirrel Girl is the best Marvel comic book that has been published in the last ten years. I I am incredibly turned off by the vibe of everything Squirrel Girl I've ever seen. That's fair. It seems like just Invader Zim for the 2010s. I mean, Ryan... Ryan North is essentially, like, the Griffin of comics. Fala Griffin? Huh? Fala Griffin? No, Griffin McElroy. Oh, shit. Fala Griffin McElroy. Fuck! <laughs> and then in here, in between my Squirrel Girl and shit, is uh, The Midas Flesh, which is Ryan North doing, like, a Star Trek-y comic book. We're at the... There are a lot of books that are in my favorites, and I don't understand why. I'm There's too many books for us to do all of them here. There's too many. There well, are simply too many. Let's do a uh, lightning round. Let me scroll back up. Where did we leave off? Stop, 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 stop. I got it. I got you got to scroll a ways up. Okay. Uh, here. here I'm, you... Oh, God. Okay, you close your eyes. I'm just going to say a thing, and you tell me what you've rated it. In the past. Okay. okay. Uh, my lesbian experience with loneliness. Five. Strong female protagonist, book one. Four. Five. Uh, strong Cla- female protagonist, book one is a five. Klaus in the crisis in Keymissville. <laughs> Xmissville. That's good. I guess four. Five. All-Star Superman. Five. Five. Klaus, volume one. Five. Five. Uh, Watchmen. God. <laughs> like a one? Two. Okay. Batman the Killing Joke? One? One. Thank God. Cloud Atlas? Two? Cloud Atlas Two. sucks. Two, yes. Batman Year One? Four, Five. probably. Uh, yeah, Five. That's, that tracks. Adventure My... Zone, Here There Be Gerblins? Please tell me it's a three. It's a four. God damn it. <laughs> the Road by Cormac McCarthy? Please tell me it's a two. It's a three. Okay. Game of Thrones? Two? Three. Okay. Uh, Wizard of Earthsea? Five? Four. Okay. Uh, Wizard of Earthsea is sort of one of those ones where it's just sat in my memory and it grows on me, even though, like, while reading it, it was like, oh, yeah, this is good. Catch-22. Two? Two. I never finished that. The Fault in Our Stars. I probably have given that a five on Goodreads, haven't I? Four. Okay, thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Lord of the this Flies. This is an old account. Lord of the Flies. I don't like that book, period. That's like a one star, right? Please. It's a two. Okay. It's a two. Um, I had one down. What does it take Gone for Girl. me to give a book Gone a Girl. Five. That book's great. Great Gatsby. Uh, five. That book's yeah. great. Welcome to Night Vale. Four. That book's good. Yeah. You're getting all these. I mean, these are, these are what you're correct in guessing them, but I wouldn't give them these. Scores. Uh, Catching Fire, The Hunger Games, number two. There's probably a time where I would have given that book a four, right? No. 
Five? No. Three? Yeah. Okay. The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games one. Would I have given that book a five? It was a four. Okay. Mockingjay. The Hunger Games three. Oh, that book got a two, I hope. <laughs> yeah, it was that a book two. sucks. <laughs> Ender's Game. God, I probably gave that book a four, right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> okay, I probably only knocked off that fifth star because it would have felt bad giving Orson Scott Card a five because I think that book's a five in my heart. Uh, and, I mean, that's, we got to the end of the list. I just picked, uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Probably gave that book a five, right? You gave it a four. Okay. Ready Player One? Thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only one star on this list, apparently. No, um, uh, Watchmen. Oh, is Watchmen also one star? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Um, uh, anyway, just, that's the end of the list. Uh, we should do lists. You know what's good for podcast content is lists. You yeah, heard about probably. lists? <laughs> um, somewhere in here was the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman, which I really liked at one time and fucking hate now. Uh, you'll notice that I have more energy now. It's because I started drinking a soda. Um, the only Neil Gaiman I've ever read is a study in Emerald, which is like uh, a Sherlock Holmes thingy. What Neil Gaiman have I read? I've read Coraline, which sucks. I gotta go through my Goodreads and adjust all my ratings of things. <laughs> this this is dialectics, baby. This is dialectics. <laughs> I've in the divine. I should like read that. I mean, you can see I gave the first volume three stars, which I stand by. Okay, can I tell, explain my rating system real quick? Sure. Is this scientific? No. Uh, back in the day, Netflix let you rate things out of five stars, and they had a little tooltip that would say, mm-hmm. hate it, dislike it, like it, love it, one of my favorites or something. Mm. That's how I think of the five stars. Okay. Of like, three is like it, four is really like it, five is love it. Interesting. Would you say you I th- like a six out of ten? Yeah. Depending. I might dislike a 6 out of 10. I don't know. I feel like out of 10 is a you very different only, thing in my head. You can only give something within a 0.5 variance of 7. Yeah. Um, what Neil Gaiman books are here? Apparently, I'm going to take American Gods off my want-to-read list real quick. Um, Coraline, which sucked. I'm going to... I might go through at some point day or tomorrow and just adjust all my ratings on Goodreads to reflect my current <laughs> self. Oh, Goodreads has its own little tooltips. One star, did not like it. Two stars, it was okay. Three, liked it. Four, really liked it. Five, it was amazing. I'm going to put Coraline at two. It was okay. A graveyard book, that was also okay. Stardust, I'm going to take that off my want to read because I don't. Um, I don't want to read any fucking Sandman books, I'll tell you that much. Is, is Coraline and Graveyard Book the only two Neil Gaiman's I've read? Have I spared myself this? Did you read Good Omen? No. I I don't know what that... Yeah. <laughs> I knew this existed. Did you not know this existed? No! Neil Gaiman, Trigger Warning, Short Fictions and Disturbances. This book came out, like, last year or something. No, it came out in 2015. Trigger Warning has been, a bo- oh, like, in the lexicon since at least 2014, I guess. It's, it's been longer than that, but... <sighs> Fuck off, Neil Gaiman. 
Neil Gaiman, Don't Panic, the official Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy companion. What? It's a guide to a guide? Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off, Neil Gaiman. This is my official podcast stance. Can we title this episode, Fuck Off, Neil Gaiman? Yes. Okay. I have to go to the restroom again. We're over I an hour into this podcast. I think the podcast is over. Yeah. Plug your stuff. At Allison underscore coffee on Twitter. Uh, A-L-I-S-O-N underscore coffee. And then an aeroplane coming soon. Again, patreon.com slash export audio. Okay, I don't know how to stop the podcast, so I'm going to do my plug and wait for you. Neither at neither Nora on Twitter Twitter dot com slash neither Nora at neither Nora you know the thing. Uh, uh, my games are at neither Nora I just up, updated uh, Tomorrow's Horizon, which is a game that I wrote because I want to print it as a zine, and it's a cool game. Dust uh, Wardens came out. I don't know if I mentioned that on the last episode. You can get that on my itch. Uh, I do poetry and fiction under a name Zoe Mars, which you can find on medium.com slash at Zoe Mars, X-O-E-M-A-R-S, and on Twitter at Zoe underscore Mars, Zoe spelled with an X. Uh, we have other things to We have other things to plug
Give me time.